Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. Grow With Us is a podcast that focuses on the talent-focused mission of Intulsa, a talent advising organization for startups, local businesses, and expanding corporations. My name is Evan Barden, and I will be your host each week. I will be joined by a guest who is making a difference in Tulsa by furthering our mission of creating equitable opportunities via technology innovation and strategic partnerships. This week, we are in conversation with programming and events specialist at Onaben, Brandy Ross, who will be chatting with me about Typros, Tulsa's young professionals, indigenous communities, and economic development. Welcome, Brandy. It's so great to have you on. Thank you, Evan. I'm happy to be here. OCO. OCO, fellow Cherokee in the house. <laughs> yes. I love it. I this is this is gonna be a great episode because we're we're kind of hitting on lots of things that are really, really important to my identity and kind of what I want to do at in Tulsa. And you're kind of like the first person I get to have a conversation with in this kind of environment. So thank you for being here. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of hard to find some native representation in like a Tulsa professional setting. I'm happy to be here and happy to connect. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And let's just kind of go ahead and get started with just tell me your story and kind of whatever way you feel comfortable. Of course. So thank you. My name is Brandy Ross. I am born and raised from Tahlequah, Oklahoma. My dad's side of the family is full Cherokee and my mom is entirely Caucasian. So I am exactly half. I get to have that you know, interesting mix of my native community as well as my mom just kind of being clueless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I definitely appreciate my native identity, but uh, my involvement within Tulsa has mainly been with Tulsa Young Professionals. And I haven't really started my representation of my native side until I joined leadership. So the reason that I So I lead Typro's Arts and Entertainment crew, and I have had the pleasure of connecting with natives and trying to get the artists and the entertainers of the community really involved in Typro's because before me, there was much. I'm just really proud to be with Typro's and have my native culture identity represented. And I just hope that I'm making the community proud. You are. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, from some communications that I have had recently, especially with like the reservation dogs hype right now, I'm getting to connect with like the production crews for Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm -hmm. And they're excited to see that, you know, there's a native leader in like a non-native organization primarily. And so they like to see the representation and they're impressed, I guess, that I can speak to the non-Native communities to the degree and representation of Natives. Yeah, that's awesome. I I thought I think that you're bringing up like a really interesting conversation that I feel like is kind of my lived experience of. In a lot of ways, like I grew up in Tulsa and went to middle and high school here. And when I lived in Muskogee, I had lots of opportunities to connect with an, ind- an Indigenous community. Um, But in Tulsa, I didn't feel like there was a collective organization or like a a place to go for like indigenous activities. And maybe that was just because like, again, my mom is white. So (laughs) my family that had that indigenous identity, I I wasn't living with at the time. 
But kind of going, coming back here and moving back here, I'm like, I've got to find these communities. I got to find these people. And it's kind of been a hard process. No, absolutely. You know, all of my like native friends, they're in Tahlequah or they moved away out of state. Mm -hmm. And so I actually did move away and out of state and I traveled a lot. And the reason I came back to Tulsa was because everything that I was seeing in, you know, Seattle or in New York or, you know, other places, I was comparing to things in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. If I'd go to a dive bar, like I would, I would compare it to some of my favorite dive bars in Tulsa or venue spaces. Same. I would, I would compare it to the BOK and I, you know, knew that, that then in those moments that Tulsa was home. And so even though it is hard to find those native communities, we are so close to a lot of, you know, our families and cultures. And for me, it's, it's less than an hour drive to get to Tahlequah, but you know, with all of the hype with reservation dogs and Mm -hmm. you mentioned Rutherford Falls Mm -hmm. and killers of the flower moon, there's a lot of film hype around like Tulsa film is really encouraging indigenous production and writers to come and film here. And I think it's bringing a lot of traction and attraction. And hopefully we can retain some of the talent in Tulsa and really build a community to a level that is never been here before. Yeah. These communities are going to come and they've been growing, I think, for a long time. It's just like, I think we're realizing the need for it now, especially when there's representation in the media. It's like, I'm getting to see people that look like me. I'm getting to see my experiences played out on the screen. And then I kind of want to have those more subtler experiences, like just going through my town, you know, like Tulsa is, we're a big, we're right here by all of these, these huge indigenous populations. Like we could have those experiences in those communities here. I'm ready to to find them. (laughs) Yep. And I'm, I'm trying to start a community within the arts entertainment crew because like I mentioned, my passion is with getting these artists and entertainers of, of all aspects really. But my personal preference from my own identity is native. Mm -hmm. And so I really think I'm starting to get people together and hopefully we can stay together and keep the hype up. Well, you've got an you've got a new crew member like <laughs> person right now. I'm I'm about to join your crew as soon as we're done with awesome. this. Awesome. <laughs> um I I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit here, but tell me a little bit more about what your experience as a Tolson has been like. Uh, I think that everyone kind of that I've had on has had an interesting relationship with Tulsa. So I I'm always curious. No doubt. So I moved to Tulsa in 2012 and I primarily lived near Cherry Street. And um, that's kind of for me, downtown was scary at that time. And then I decided to move to the west side of the river, which was an apartment complex called Westport at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when I fell in love with downtown. Um, I loved it. And um, fun fact, my my grandfather on my mom's side, he worked at the Tulsa World for 50 years. Wow. And so whenever I would like explain some of my thoughts or concerns about downtown, he would, you know, just kind of give me validation like, yeah, it was scary, mm-hmm. but look at all this development and the way it's going. I really think you should, you know, stay involved and stick with it. Yeah. And so then I moved to Ohio. <laughs> 
Oklahoma, you're just going to the O state. Oklahoma, I know, to Ohio. right? So I moved to Ohio for love, but that's an entire story on its own. It's a different podcast. Yeah, that's too. a whole nother podcast. <laughs> and things didn't work out, of course. So I decided to just take a year to figure out what I was going to do with life. Mm-hmm. And I traveled. So every month I would just buy a plane ticket and see if I could live there, if what the vibe was, you know, yeah. just try to find myself. And like I mentioned, I, I was comparing everything that was interesting to like my personal um, interest to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to move back to Tulsa. I didn't have any experience that was like um, needed at the time. So I came, my background is in supply chain and logistics management. And I worked in the oil and gas industry, which wasn't so great when I was trying to get back to Tulsa. Yeah, when did you move back? What year was that? I think it was 2016, 2017. But yeah, it just was hard to find oil and gas um, career opportunities. So I fell into insurance and I did commercial insurance for four years until, you know, recently last Friday, (laughs) I fell in love with working with the indigenous communities. Surprisingly, they need insurance as well. Yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) I got to really dig deep into what's important to tribal leaders and in their risk management and sovereignty, protecting that, the, mm-hmm. you know, is the, the most important. And from that, I've really been able to connect with all types of tribes and culture and not only just in Oklahoma, but on a national scale. And so my Tulsa experience has been trying to get those communities, especially with what we can discuss later is the McGirt ruling, the yeah. Supreme Court case ruling. And Tulsa sits on about three different reservations. Yeah. And so to really loop in those tribes into the city or like have the non-natives in the city understand that those are three different languages. They're three different nations. Yeah. That's that's really something that I strive to do through Thai pros, through the young professionals. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's about time for... Oklahomans to kind of understand that there's, you know, 39 federally recognized tribes here in this state and they are all different. (laughs) Yes. And they don't always get along. (laughs) (laughs) That's putting it nice. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Kind of related to this topic of community and um, especially your your professional past and, and kind of where you're headed. How have specific communities in Tulsa impacted you in your professional trajectory? Right. So... I think that my Native communities and personal experiences have brought me where I am today. But I have to give props to Thai pros. They've really developed me to be the professional that I am. They've given me a ton of training on public speaking or presentations. They've really streamlined a lot of their operations to what I do in my work life every day now. So those are the the specific communities. <laughs> my just Native Culture and understanding of history can be dark, but uh, if you ever get to hang out with the Native groups, we're funny. (laughs) I would would definitely agree with that. (laughs) One of my friends, she she likes to jokingly say, generational trauma. (laughs) 
Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I, I definitely know a, a few friends from my undergrad that would that probably would say it in the exact inflection too. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, those are the the two specific communities that that have impacted me the most. That's awesome. Yeah, I, th- I think I can totally relate to you with my native background being my main driver for my professional trajectory. I mean, I, I went to school thinking I was going to be a doctor, <laughs> which I'm clearly not one right now, which is great. That, that's totally fine. I think being Indigenous and going to school and learning more about Indigenous cultures just increased my desire to come back here and try to find a way to get involved, try to find a way to serve my communities. And I don't think I've I, I, it's so hard to explain like how I feel like I am serving my community right now, but I do. I, I yes. feel like I'm by ta- by having conversations like this with you and by telling everyone that I work with that I'm indigenous and that this is a part of my identity and these are the people I want to serve. Like that is the visibility that I think is necessary for there to be kind of like progress in this. So right, it's it's interesting. Like for me, also, I was a I was a cheer coach forever. And I always thought of, you know, being a role model to the little cheerleaders who would be at like the high school games. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always had that mentality growing up, like thinking there's always a little cheerleader looking up to me. And so switching gears to like just my identity and how I can make that a thing for the little native girls. You know, I, I want them to realize that they can be a leader in a big city yeah. for what they consider a big city. Um, Cause I know I did, I considered Tulsa the big city growing up. So um, one of my main role models that I would love to mention is uh, Wil- Wilma Mankiller, yeah. the first female principal chief of the Cherokee nation. And I, I grew up with her, you know, on, mm-hmm. on my radar cause Tahlequah, but there were so many stories that I had no idea about her. And I never want a, a little girl to not know my stories if yeah. they're looking up to me. I'm pretty sure she was at Alcatraz. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to mention. My my Whenever I was traveling, mm-hmm. I went to San Francisco with one of my best friends. And the sign that said Indians welcome, I was, I was like, what? Yeah, what does I that mean? I thought I was just going to visit an old prison. And so the stories that were being, you know, explained on the headphones while you're walking through Alcatraz go hand in hand with like native culture and history. Yeah. And then Wilma Mankiller has like an entire cell oh, that's for, her, so cool. for her advocacy for, you know, native lands. And I just sat there and I cried yeah. in that cell because I was so upset that nobody had told me <laughs> that Wilma Mankiller was... <laughs> My idol was there <laughs> <Exactly>. in prison. <laughs> I should have been there way longer. <laughs> well, oh, well, I'll clarify. She wasn't ever in prison no. there. She, <laughs> there was a whole, definitely go look at this yourself, listeners, but there's a whole occupation, like indigenous occupation of Alcatraz that is entirely fascinating and huge for indigenous like activism, similar to events like Standing Rock and things that are we're seeing more in contemporary, but lots, yes. there's lots to learn from that experience. Thank you for clarifying because <laughs> also it kind of ties into the Indian removal to like urbanist, like urban cultures. Yeah. I think that was in the eighties, but they were removing like young natives, promising them jobs in urban, you know, cities and locations and it really took away from from so much of the culture that they I don't think everyone 
intended to, but it happened and yeah. it, <laughs> we're still recovering. I do think that there was some intention, but <laughs> no, I think that what you're hitting on is that there have been lots of attempts to rob us of our culture and to dilute it out of us. And we're still here. We're still having conversations and we're still recognizing what happened, but not forgetting it. And it's awesome that we can have a conversation about this and feel like um, we're, we're teaching people. We're, I think the huge thing with the things that happen to indigenous people is the lack of knowledge about it, especially yes. in Oklahoma, especially here in this state. Um, so we could talk about this for forever, but I'm really glad that you're bringing it up here. Yeah. And what I'm super excited about to teach others our history and past is to do it with a calm, level head mm -hmm. and a smile on my face. Yeah. Because I am proud to be Native and I am proud of where we're standing right now. Um, but yes, you you hit the nail on the head. I will say that Brandy is smiling as she's saying all of this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've kind of mentioned previously about your involvement in Typros, and I just love to hear more about it, kind of what it is, and maybe also how you got involved in the first place. Right, of course. So I actually have this pulled up because I don't have it memorized. We actually just changed our mission statement last year, but if you check out our website, typros.org, it has all of this information on our website, but it says Typros creates events, programs, groups, and straight up things to do in Tulsa. Our mission is to make Tulsa an awesome city for young professionals to live, work, and play. Our city becomes a better place to live when interesting and interested people, i.e. you, connect with others. So you can make the greatness happen. We're just here to put a hold on your Google calendar. And <laughs> that's awesome. That's with, a great mission statement. Right? It was fun. It was fun to come up with. But with that, there are seven crews that I can talk about. There might be one coming up that we're going to have like a grand statement about, but I, I can't about, say that I yet. I know about it, but we don't right? have to talk about okay. it here. Um uh, but I just wanted to really touch on my crew, Arts and Entertainment crew, and I I decided to get involved with Typros because I do love to have fun and see cool things, yeah. and that's that was the all encompassing uh, interest for me. So Arts and Entertainment, we care about fine arts to local like live performances, as well as sporting events. So those are my like three main things. Lifeblood right exactly. there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I really gravitated towards with the arts and entertainment crew. But I've also been very involved with the business development crew, the sustainability crew. I do work with the government relationships crew. Again, there's not much tribal government recognized within that crew. So I'm there to be like, hey, yeah, they just <laughs> there's launched... a campaign coming up in this yeah. tribe. And so, um, awesome. yeah, I, I try my best. <laughs> <laughs> you're, do, you're doing awesome. I mean, whenever I went to the 360 event, they told me about, I think I asked something about some question of those, the guys doing that, the elected official one. And they were like, yeah, we're also trying to make it inclusive of people running for tribal government. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Y'all are that doing was, that? Yeah, that was, that was my thoughts. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try. But some of my like favorite events that I've been involved with Ty Pros that I, I have listed here, one being the Great Raft Race. 
I actually built a raft with my crew and we got that thing down the Arkansas River. They let you put it on the Arkansas? Yeah. That's it's awesome. an entire event. And fun fact, it's actually that the great raft race was funded by the Typros Foundation, mm-hmm. which is our nonprofit like dollars that go into making Tulsa a better place. My crew has also been involved with a charity Oki. Which is charity karaoke. (laughs) Again, the dollars go back into the foundation. And my crew has also been involved in Next Now Fashion Show. So there were local designers, like fashion designers, who were partnered with a food truck. And they had a fashion show at the Guthrie Green with all the food trucks surrounding the event. So that was really fun. Oh my gosh. Was someone wearing toast? Because I'm pretty sure there's like a toast (laughs) food truck out there. I remember a lot of the, it was just a lot of the colors that Mm -hmm. were coordinating. Someone should have made actual food like on. (laughs) They didn't take it too literally. No, they did not. (laughs) But also there's Typros Olympics, which is just a beer Olympics, Mm -hmm. which my crew has been heavily involved with. It's coming up fairly soon. We've also done a kickball team. With OSSO. <laughs> That's awesome. We were the tie pros, tie dye pros. Yes. I think we won one game, but you know, I think we had the most fun. You had the most fun. <laughs> you had the most spirit. You have, probably had the best name. We <laughs> we actually had the coolest uniforms because we tie dyed our jerseys. That's awesome. Right? Look it was, at, it look was at y'all. Yeah. But some, some other tie pros events and organizations that I've been involved with, not necessarily just arts and entertainment, has been the All Access, which is the um, C-suite like networking at the summit. That was really great in the past. And I think it's coming up again this fall. 918 Lead, which is the like political campaign awareness and learning. Uh, gosh, how do I even like encompass everything that we did? <laughs> it's it, was, a lot. it was a lot. It was just at campaign management, you know, learning the different positions of elected official like roles. So I went through that. That was the inaugural cohort was this year. And then I also participated in Get On Board this year. And I was assigned to the Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits board. I'm, I'm their board intern this year. Oh, that's awesome. It's been amazing. I just cannot believe some of the people that I get to meet and share the same air. Yeah. <laughs> And then also I've been involved with the Gilcrease Focus Group because they had their their space reevaluated. And so it's been deconstructed yeah. and they're going to rebuild. And then also there is Boomtown Typros Awards ceremony every year. And I get to also say that I am the first to put together the virtual talent show. Thanks to COVID, I got to <laughs> re-gear and keep our arts and entertainment crew involved with the virtual talent show. Very interesting. It was when Tiger King oh, yeah. was a thing. So yes. there was a lot of Tiger King references, <laughs> which was fun. That's forever going to be on the interwebs. <laughs> but also one of my proudest was we hosted the virtual Cherokee art show. We got to make that like the first Cherokee representation through our our arts crew that's awesome that's that's the type of stuff that like i love to hear is happening you know like indigenous 
communities are getting involved with things that are going on in Tulsa. You're, you're doing it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So kind of like, well, I have, you touched on so many things there that I, I want to dive into, but we've got, we've got a short time. <laughs> I do want to say that I'm starting my first board membership tomorrow. So just from my inspiration, people are, people have inspired me for a, quite a few weeks now to like try to get involved on a board and I'm going to see if I can get involved with my stepmom's autism clinic. It's the Griffin Promise Autism Clinic oh in Broken Arrow. I know, I know a member who I think she works with a lot of the fundraising and community involvement, Rebecca Watkins. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe I'll meet her. Maybe we work together insurance stuff. That's awesome. That's <laughs> in, so cool. In a past life. But well, yeah. Let, let's kind of get through these or let's get to these other questions because we've got I've got lots to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> You've kind of got into this quite a bit with some of your other stuff. Tell me more about your work with Native and Indigenous communities. Absolutely. So my now day job, I get to travel to Indian reservations and train on economic development. And my primary focus is to get these Native artists who are creating these beautiful pieces of work, give them an entrepreneur mindset that you can succeed off the reservation and you can promote yourself in a respectful way to your culture. And so that's that's what I get to do. That's what I get to be paid to do now, which blows my mind. Some of my most memorable work, they... Because I've, I've done contracts with Onaban in the past, but this is my first like time really working with them full time. But one of my favorite stories I get to tell is they flew me to Montreal and I drove, I got, well, I was driven down to an Indian reservation that's actually on the border of Canada and New York. It's the Mohawk Reservation. The Mohawk Reservation. Yeah. So I got to experience Aquasesne. Mm -hmm. That was the very first reservation I had ever been on, and it was my first um, eye-opening experience of missing and murdered Indigenous women. I had an entire safety briefing, and, like, they stressed the importance, like, do not leave this area after dark. You will be X, Y, Z. And I had never been told that before. (laughs) So it was... Quite a briefing. I know. (laughs) And so that was like my main eye-opening event. Like how, how, why doesn't people, why don't they talk about this? Why isn't this a topic (laughs) of discussion in or off the reservation? And that's kind of been one of my favorite topics to really rattle people is bringing up those numbers of missing and murdered indigenous women and the issues that can grow from that. But that's kind of the darker side of the things that I will get to do in my future it's career. So Im- it's so important. I mean, just the, the numbers that you're speaking on, like one in three indigenous women will experience violence in their life. Like that number is insane. Every time I hear it, I, I feel like we all need to take a pause and kind of understand what that means. I mean, I, I think that our culture right now or just the United States is like, can't fathom how many indigenous people there are for that one in three is so many people. Right. It's so many people. So I, I think you're, it's a dark one, but like we, we need to have more conversations about it. You're totally right. Yeah. And so fun fact now with the McGirt ruling, 
Tulsa is now considered a reservation, yeah. right? So my uncle, he works for NCOG. He's the 911 regional coordinator, and he has been working tirelessly trying to involve local law enforcement to partner with these tribes because say there is a violence on um, a native and it's non-native, that can't be touched or really classified city or state. That's federal. Yeah. And wild because, hey, the federal government is kind of overwhelmed with these smaller cases. So a lot of the marshals are being dual deputized. I believe that's the term. And so, yeah, that's been really interesting to think about that if I am harmed by a non-native, there will be a question of who can help me. Mm Mm-hmm. That's wild. It is wild. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's all changed within a year. Exactly. <laughs> but luckily, we got to speak with Kimberly Teehee. She's the representative for Cherokee Nation. It's newly treaty. Well, it's not a new treaty. They're being enforced yeah. to have a seat with Congress. Yeah, she's on the she's in uh, the House of Representatives. I remember. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> but she ha- she got to touch on the VAWA. Act, Violence Against Women Act, and it's been tweaked. So it's VAWA 2021. Yeah. And it's going to try to get those gaps fixed where it's like if it's domestic partnership where there's already an established relation of a non-native and a native that will help uh, alleviate. Alleviate. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The uh, capacity for federal issues yeah i mean i think what you're you're getting we're opening a can of worms here. Uh, yeah, well, i know <laughs> which is totally fine i think that i was definitely going to ask you a question about mcgirt because it is it is hot off the presses basically i mean i know it happened a year ago but it really is like so impactful to this area and i'll just go ahead and ask you right now how has like the mcgirt decision kind of affected your line of work i know you just started in this career but just maybe talk talk to me a little bit about it of course so Luckily, with the insurance background that I recently had, we were talking with our law law enforcement day and night, basically, because there has been so much understanding that marshals need to be (laughs) dual deputized to kind of figure out how to handle things on a on a more broad, especially the rural areas of Oklahoma. And so with the McGirt ruling, there's been a lot of just talk for me when people mention Oh, McGirt ruling means X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, no, actually, it's it's just on crime. Yeah. So when people start talking about their um, property taxes, I'm like, mm, well, let me just try to better educate what's going on. It is confusing for those <laughs> folks that are, are not sure what it is. Like, definitely look it up. And I don't think I could give a three three sentence summary on it. But like, what Brandy's saying right now is, is totally correct. It is only with crime, but it I think it the implications are far reaching and we haven't even grappled with these implications. So. Right. And it's just kind of surprising, you know, because every case that's been, you know, ruled city or state where it was, you know, a, a non-native and a native are, are impacted. It's being re what's the term re Reopened, essentially. Yeah, and re-ruled on federal. Yeah. And so if you guys aren't aware, that means some of these 
grotesque crime and criminals can be released and retried. Yeah, because they were tried in the wrong court of law per yes, this treaty. Exactly. And so what's been really crazy on like my personal like family situation, I had an aunt who DUI, you know, drunk drunk driver. Happens. She she murdered, you know, three oh, people. That's and so, so sad. we kind of didn't really you know, she's been gone for so long, we didn't realize, oh, yeah, she is native and she probably will be released. She just showed up. Wow. You know, and we, it was just kind of that eye opener that I think a lot of families are going through yeah. with this ruling where out of sight, out of mind. And now it's 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 here. It's in front of us and wow. it's happening. So it's it's shocking. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I think that this conversation could go in a lot of different ways, but I, I think Kind of the little bow that I want to put on on this is that please go learn more about the McGirt decision. If you're curious, there's so much to learn. Um, the main thing that impacts us, the main thing that impacts us here in Tulsa is that I think you mentioned this earlier. We are now, I mean, we, we've always been sitting on native land, but we are officially sitting on the Muscogee Creek Reservation, partially the Cherokee Nation Reservation, partially, and. Do you know that? What's the third one? The Osage. It's okay. I, I was like, I know the Osage is close, but I didn't know if it was in Tulsa County or not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're sitting on three indigenous communities uh, reservations, which is a huge. I mean, I think if I've been to other indigenous communities reservations specifically and the way that they look are not the same way that Tulsa looks now. And I don't know if they ever will, right. but it's kind of like, do we play catch up to to, to model after those communities that have reservations with their own police system and their own kind of just way of operating now, or can we even go there? I, it's, it's crazy. There's so much to think about with this and it has a lot of impact on the next, you know, 15 to 20 years and way and even way longer than that. Yeah. So we've, We've really gone into a lot of these topics that I, I'm so excited to talk about, but I, I think that this is a great one to leave people with and kind of pondering and especially Tulsans that are listening in. What can people do to support indigenous communities in Oklahoma and in Tulsa right now? I, I think that you're honestly a great person to ask this question with how much work that you've done. So, Well, thank you. Yes. Right now, there is a free showing at Circle Cinema every Monday night at 7.30, they're releasing the new episodes of Reservation Dogs and just supporting those communities by just watching those episodes is huge because Native communities are already there, but they don't want it to just be a Native show. They want everyone to watch. And I've always invited everyone to any any event for Thai pros. That's, that's kind of how I've like spun it is it's a Thai pros event that we're partnering with Circle Cinema, but really this is just Circle Cinema's thing. Yeah. I'm just trying to get young professionals involved and excited. Um, you can also just check out museums because a lot of the local museums understand the importance of the um, indigenous art that can come out of these communities and how important it is to the history. Um, but ultimately, I suggest if you really want to support indigenous communities in Oklahoma, try to find those artists that champion their tribes. Yeah. So I know the Cherokee Nation, they have the 
Cherokee National Treasure Award. Wow. And so all of these Cherokee National Treasures, they're selected each year and they they are the community's like favorites, I guess. Ambassadors. Ambassadors. They're also mentors. So reaching out to those specific tribe champions, especially in the arts community, that's that's the easiest way to support the communities because there is always going to be stories told and there's always going to be pieces that are created that that can be shared with non-natives and people just interested. Yeah, I think education is the only thing I would add on to that, which, you know, meeting artists is you're learning more about their culture and how they represent it. But just finding a a good book (laughs) about (laughs) about Oklahoma and the indigenous history here and kind of maybe just really grappling with the history of Indian territory or formerly known as Indian territory, I think right. is is super huge for just understanding your cultural context and building up that cultural competency is huge. And I think that Tulsa has a, a really interesting opportunity to be like a, a really cool place yeah. for like indigenous can people. I, can I plug one more? Of course. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want people to remember that there are three casinos representing these three tribes in Tulsa mm-hmm. and they always have shows. They always have like things happening, whether it be live music or just there's like a ton of food opportunity in these casinos. But also for me, just understanding that these casinos are economically driven by Mm non-natives at times and funneled back into the Tulsa community. Yeah. And uh, I mean, on that, a lot of museums, I mean, I went to the Hard Rock recently and there are, the casinos are like museums sometimes. They have like cultural artifacts in there. And that is like a, it's weird to say, like you could go and learn something at the casino, but like you can and you you can also have fun while you're there. Yeah. The free play. That's where I go. I love it. <laughs> Get a player's card, free play. You, it's you don't have to spend your money. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I'm I'm writing that down. <laughs> uh, Brandy, I don't know if you can tell. I've had the most fun talking to you today. I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for your honesty and and bringing up these conversations that are so so important to me. Um, and that we get to share with people that listen to Grow With Us. So thank you again. Of course. Thank you so much for being so welcoming and great conversation. Thank you. Of course. If there's, if you'd like anyone to be able to reach you, is there a way that people can contact you? I normally plug like my LinkedIn or something. But... Of course. Um, my most professional way to reach out is through LinkedIn. And my name again is Brandy Ross. Or you can reach out to me via email with my new email address, <laughs> brandy at onabin.org. Check out Onabin uh, website. It's just onabin.org. I'm very active on Instagram. I, I'll go ahead and plug Instagram. <laughs> that is at brandshell. And everything in between. You can find me on all of the Thai Pros media on our website. That's That's awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing with us everything that we discussed. I'd like to plug a few resources for our listeners of Grow With Us that might be of use to you. If you would like to stay in touch with all of our featured jobs and opportunities in Tulsa, then please join our talent network. By joining our talent network, you let us know you're interested in working with an in Tulsa company, and our talent team will make sure you put the right opportunities on your radar. You can join at talentintulsa.com 
That's talent.intulsa.com. Stay tuned for more episodes of Grow With Us about tips and tricks for the job application process, learning more about the amazing communities of support in Tulsa, and the tech and innovation that is attracting people across the country to the heartland. Thank you.